Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking that dinner or cutting the grass, which you could turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. So tonight, I want to talk to the leaders and I want to talk to those who are going to be doing groups to really understand when you're talking with someone and it's pretended faith versus when you're talking with someone and it's real faith. Because you don't want to hinder somebody's real faith. Amen? But if you encourage somebody's pretended faith, you're helping them get into a delusion that can even be very dangerous. And you don't hear too many people talk about this. You hear Paul mentions that some people just have pretended faith. I think it's a bigger issue in the church in America, probably than any other place, and, and definitely more now than in the Bible times. Why? Because in the book of Acts, they lost their jobs. They lost their reputations. They had to run from place to place. There was nothing popular about being a person of faith, Right? They weren't trying to fit in. Either either you sold out and became a Christian or you weren't uh, a Christian. Now they had some, the Bible says, that were with them and then left them. And they said, well, they were never from, they were never of us. So they literally had people who would come into services and things and think they wanted to be Christians, but actually had the wrong spirit and ended up leaving. And so you can see all these things when you study the book of Acts and you study the letters from the apostles. It's really interesting to see how much stuff was going on in those churches. Amen. And especially if you're a leader or a pa you know, pastor, minister, or anybody in ministry, um, or those of you who are going to be starting groups and learning how to have uh, small groups, which is actually a pastor, by the way, to lead a group would make a, a pastor anointing. Or it could be a teacher's anointing, and you're going to teach, but the Lord would like you to try to really minister to that group and really pour out and really help that group. Amen? And so... You don't help someone when they have pretended faith. But the hard thing about pretended faith is when you're operating in pretended faith, you think it's real, right? You think it's real. So I'm going to tell my story. Now, I had a lot of real faith before God dealt with some pretended faith. And so you can actually have real faith for certain things and have other areas where it's pretended faith, okay? And then there's some people who aren't born again who really don't have anything real with God. And so all of that's pretended, right? It's pretended love, pretended faith. We're not really talking about that tonight. We're not talking about tears that the enemy sows in and there's really no relationship with God. We're talking about sincere believers, people who are going to be for those pastors who are watching, leaders who are watching that we'll send this to. We're talking about the people in your church or your ministry who say all the right things and do all the right things, but there's something that you just know there's something off about this, all right? And you're like, okay, how do I do this? How do I help somebody, encourage somebody, and yet, um, it, can I tell you, without asking God for wisdom and flowing in the gifts of the Spirit, you really can't do this. First of all, I don't want to blaspheme, okay? Let me just let everybody know that. I'm going to have more fear of the Lord than even 
caring, if you want to say it, if I'm right or wrong concerning somebody's spirituality. Amen? So I'm not going to blaspheme. Blaspheming is saying what you did is coming from the wrong powers, not coming from the Holy Spirit. That's blaspheming only if what you did was coming from the Holy Spirit. Amen? So when you, when people operate in pretended faith or hyper-spirituality or all these things are really big in the body of Christ in the United States. Um, because what, why is it so big in the body of Christ in the United States? Because you have a lot of people who think it's really cool to be a Christian and they see the cool concerts and they see the superstar celebrity almost that we have of ministers these days and, and they begin to want to be a part of that. Also, if you're very wounded and hurt and you come in and it's like, oh, here's somewhere where I can excel. Here's somewhere where, you know, it doesn't matter about my failures in the past, which is true. It doesn't matter. You know, this is where I can come in and, um, and fit in. Okay, so let me say this. When you get born again, by asking the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Lord, you confess your sin, you really repent, you turn from your old way of living, and you ask Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you and take over, right? When you're really born again, guess what? You will never fit in any more than that. That is fitting in. Amen? God in you, the hope of glory. God in you. You have just become... The body. <laughs> You've become part of the body of Christ. Amen. Think about it. We are actually his hands, his feet, his mouth. We really are his body on this earth. We are the flesh that God works in to do his will. If we get ourselves out of the way. Amen. And the problem for most of it is most of us are too much still about us. Amen. We're not out of the way. It's us trying to meet a need, us trying to be important, us trying to be superior, us trying to be loved, us trying to be accepted. And so our whole thinking is, is, is off. And I can be talking to actual leaders who still have these issues, right? The truth is I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's how God sees us when we're born again. God sees us as, okay, you are now dead to who you were before I came inside. And now that I'm inside of you, I should be in charge. That's how God believes. Amen? How many know he's right? Amen. But that depth to self thing is really difficult, especially for people who have been abused, felt like they were superior, won't let go. If you, were, if you were abused as a child or whatever, you would take on such a tyrant control spirit. And I could point some people out right now and I could call you by name and put, your frame, put a frame around your face. Amen. <laughs> and until you let go of that, people, it's more you than God. And it's going to set you up for pretended faith. It's going to set you up to push through and make sure you do this and look at all that I've done. Amen. And there's a lot, a lot of, there's a lot of talk and people thinking they've done things that they haven't done. You don't know if someone's healed unless you talk to that person again. Unless you know they were really sick. I'm not trying to discourage people. I'm just trying to get us into a place of walking in this for God's glory and not to feel good about ourselves. Amen? See, if I, if I don't live anymore, then I don't have to not feel good or bad about myself. And, and this is an important, if you don't want to live anymore, then you're too hurt to die. 
So you got to get healed. You got to get to who God made you to be so you can lay your life down. And we got teaching all this on the mentorship. I encourage you. People with low, low self-esteem are very, very likely to get into pretended faith. They're very, very likely to get into hyper-spirituality and think they're doing more than they are and all these different things going on because they're trying to prove something. Amen? And the enemy will come along and he will help you with a delusion. He will help you. Uh, he'll even, hopefully you won't move into some counterfeit power, but you will if, if you open up to the enemy or you haven't dealt with witchcraft in your past or generational curses of witchcraft. Amen? So God really is going to use this ministry and other ministries to get the witchcraft out of the body of Christ. Because, man, I can walk into a meeting somewhere and honest to goodness, there is usually more mixture than anything pure because most pastors and leaders do not, first of all, let God sanctify their hearts and make them holy, deal with their issues, amen, and then understand this. And if I don't believe that somebody could be operating in the wrong spirit and call themselves a Christian, I'm already deceived. At the same time, I don't want to spend all my life Trying to figure out who's messed up and who's not. Amen? And so it's like, so I just wanted to teach how do we do this? Why do we do this? You know, what do we have to get our own hearts to do this? First of all, it's not the unforgivable sin to operate in pretended faith or hyper spirituality or spirit of air or any of those other things. Amen? And so it's about everywhere. It's really almost everywhere. So God is going to cleanse his church. So you should be real excited to be here with ears to hear what he wants to say. And anything in you now that's already mad actually shows I'm talking to you the most tonight. If there's anything in you that used to would have been mad, but now you're not, you're like, ooh, I had already passed this one. We may have you come up and share. Amen? Because not many people that I know of will take the time to help people who are okay with being messed up. But we're one body. So if you're messed up, whether you like it or not, you'd have made us mess up. Amen? And God wants a, a church without spot or blemish. And it's, it's an actual work of the Holy Spirit. It's a powerful work of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So first of all, when we're talking about this, and when you're with a group talking about it, or with pastors and leaders, when you're trying to help in your church with this, this isn't about who do we throw under the bus. Who, see, I knew it. All right, when you have that attitude, your heart is wrong. Amen? First of all, how many knows it would be pretty humbling to find out that you have some pretended faith? How many know God's about humbling? How many know pretended faith actually puffs you up and you get prideful, which sets you up <laughs> for to be humbled? Amen? So it's like, ah. Oh, and let me know around here. It's like, oh God, do you, if you get like me, you get to a place like, God, would you just kill everything off that's not you and then raise me up in you and just do this thing? If you don't ever say that to God, then you haven't gone through much sanctification. If you say that to God a lot, you've actually embraced that God's the only one who can do this work. Amen? So he's supposed to. Holy Spirit comes in as the sanctifier. He's the refining fire. So get over that Christianity is not just a walk in a park or the concerts or going on the mission field and thinking you've done something. Amen? It's about being changed into his likeness, line upon line. 
Precept to precept, glory to glory. What does it mean? Line upon line. An understanding from his word, line upon line. Precept upon precept. His heart. How is he doing that? What is he, what is he about? Why is he saying that? What does he care about? Understand him. That's the precept of it. And, um, glory to glory. That's the supernatural. How? Oh, that's the supernatural feeling of the presence, infilling of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because now you've given that territory to him. Amen. So there, words, you know. I know people train people up to just lay hands on everybody, just go do this. Well, first of all, I'm not saying they can't do that. I'm not even saying they're wrong. The Bible says lay hands on no one lightly. Maybe they have a group of people who, who don't have issues and background issues, or maybe they have so many who aren't hurt people that they would rather focus there and let the other ones fall to the wayside. I don't know. Maybe they do something on the side to help the others. Amen? I just never, ever see Paul doing a corporate activation thing. Just assuming everybody there is okay and everybody there should be able to do this. Why, why, why should a human being not be the one doing that? Because you're supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit. He's, he's the one who should be talking to you. He's the one who should be telling you what to do and when to do it. Amen? Let's face it. If the church was doing as much as the church thinks they're doing, our nation would not be in the shape that it's in. Amen. Amen. And so it's time to get the real. It's time to be hungry for God's power and presence to be real. And, and to mature in it and to go deeper and deeper in it and get to such a place where you can handle that power without thinking it's because of you. Remember Lucifer's fall was mainly because of pride, independence from God. Pride is being independent from God. Humble, being humble is to be completely dependent upon God. Now, if I'm completely dependent upon God, then I'm, I'm going to die to pretended faith. Amen? So, so some of the keys to getting real faith, you've got to begin to hear God, people. My sheep know my voice. They won't follow another. Right? But how many know some of his sheep are double-minded? And by the Bible, these are all spiritual laws. They're on the words you can find them. When he says, I will give nothing to a double-minded person, man, that means you're not going to have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It means you're not going to have authority. It means God's not going to work in the midst of a double-minded person. Amen? So first you got to do what? Decide, I'm going to be single-minded. I'm laying down my life. Now, Lord, help me. He will. Lord, give me wisdom. He will. Lord, teach me your ways. He will. Give me ears to hear. Deal with my heart issues. You know, on Tuesday nights, bring notebooks or at least type really fast in your little uh, phones or whatever. Because you, you have to start taking Tuesday nights outside these doors and applying this stuff. Amen? Amen? Okay, so you still need to get real between you and God. We can't do that in one evening. About what areas in my life am I still walking in woundedness? What areas am I trying to prove something? What areas do I feel left out? What areas do I feel like a failure? Amen. You need some real alone time 
with you and God, but you know most of these without God even telling you, amen? But you want to always invite Holy Spirit. Come in, Holy Spirit, and show me. You know exactly where I was wounded. Okay, let me say, we talked about this last week. For those who didn't hear it, y'all need to get the teaching. Okay, the race we're in, we are the only one in that race. And the only thing we're to look at is Jesus. So every person here, if you're born again, and I'm looking around, I believe everybody here is born again. Every person, you're born again, <laughs> every person here is in that race. Okay? But I'm not going to use names because I'm trying to behave. All right, so let's say whoever. <laughs> Y'all know I have a hard time not using names. So whoever is in that race. Hmm. All right, I'm going to have to use names because I'm just... That's me. All right. So Irene is in a race. Deborah is in a race. Linda's in a race. Suzanne is in a race. Rita is in a race. Okay. And they all, most of those live close and hang out close. And you can start to think that because you all know each other and hang out together and travel together some, that you're all in this race together. That's not true. And if you think it's true, and so you try to run this race to keep up with other people in the race or to get ahead of other people in the race, then you're open to pretended faith. Amen? God's not going to be disappointed when you get into heaven that you didn't run the race faster. Amen? He just wants you to run the true race. A race that looks to him. A race that recognizes he is the beginning and the end of everything. A See, what, he is the prize. So the, the real race isn't about, do I move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? The real race isn't about how much Bible I know. The actual race is about how close to God, to Jesus Christ, am I getting? How much am I like him? How much is he changing me? How real is he in my life? Okay, let's put that out there. If you don't want to get into pretended faith, you need to get in this correct race and you need to recognize it's about how real is he in your life. And the sad thing about pretended faith is you might not hardly know him and you'll start getting the wrong idea about him if you're running this race and it's about something besides getting to know him. Yes. Amen. Amen? So he's not, how many know we're, if you're born again and you don't, Deny him or blaspheme him or tell, you know, tell him you don't want to be his anymore, which I think we're all pretty safe. We've all been through enough trials in this room to know we're going to hang in there. Amen. We're not going this far to lose out now. Amen. <laughs> so, so, so we know we're going to finish. We know we're going to finish this race because everybody finishes this race. Because as soon as you get into heaven and you're face to face with Jesus, then it's a whole new world. Amen. Amen. Yes. All right. So, so everybody's going to win this race. Now, remember, he only, he, he rewards those who what? Diligently seek him. Not diligently seek gifts, not diligently seek to heal, not diligently seek to even read the Bible. See, you can be doing all the right things for all the wrong reasons. Amen? 
We're going to put this down to a place that will get you off of that hamster wheel of going around and around and around and around. And around. This is about becoming like him. This is about being thankful. He knows if you were given one talent, five talents or ten talents. He's not upset with the way he decided to do it. And you need to not be. See, if you're running a race and you think you're competing with others and you were given one talent, one gift, one gift he gave you, one thing he gave you that he's wanting to see what you do with it. Yet you're running beside somebody who's got five or somebody who has 10. You're going to be frustrated your entire walk in the kingdom. You're actually not going to be in the kingdom much. That's why he says it's unwise to compare yourselves to one another, right? Okay, because if I'm running a race and I'm competing against anyone else, I'm not in the right race. But how many know in our society, and some of you, depending on your parents or teachers, have been told you're not good enough, you better do better, what's wrong with you, all this kind of, all this kind of false motivation. See, that kind of motivation to make somebody a, a high achiever, well, that's great if there's somebody, I won't say it's great, but somebody who was given 10 talents anyway might really thrive on that. Still doesn't mean it's correct. It, it means they may be getting puffed up. It may mean they're doing everything for themselves and feeling superior. Amen? It may mean they're going to think they're better than everybody else. Are you getting what I'm saying? God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's looking for. He knows what it's going to be like when we get in heaven. And he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. To some of the people that we would least expect it. Because he, he is never going to come down and run in the world's race. And if you don't get out of that race. You're going to walk in pretended faith. You're going to think you have gifts you don't have. You're going to be trying all the time. And look how good I'm doing. And all this. Because none of this is about that. None of this is about that. And Satan wants to keep it about that. Now, does that mean because it's not about that, we shouldn't do anything? No, the Bible says, I'll show you my faith by my works. Right? That's a spiritual law. James, I'm going to have, even if you're a one-talent person, given one talent, maybe your life you were kicked, maybe you didn't have great intellect, maybe you, were, you didn't have great parenting, maybe everything seemed against you. And, and it, in all forms, you say, man, I, I was just given one talent. Now, let me say this. When a one talent, and when I'm not saying like one gift, I'm saying he divides it up. He uses that parable to show us that he is not requiring of you to compete with anybody else. What you have, he wants you to do something with, led by his spirit. Amen? And sometimes, if you run this wrong race, then what you have, you're not going to think it's good enough. Or let me say that way, what you have, you think it's all that. And, and let me say, does everybody know in our culture, probably all cultures, but especially our culture, even the what we were saying the other day, and... Um, uh, we were reading, I don't remember what I was reading, but on, I think it was First John, but where he talks about 
What is of the world? When you love the world, you hate him, he says. And remember the things of the world, the three, the three main things of the world is what the, the lust, the lust of the, the lust of the flesh. Yeah, I, I like the translation I say because the pride of life sometimes we don't get. It's boasting. Look at all that I have. Look what I've done. I mean, God really convicted me of that last week. Okay. So, so you've got this, you've got this, the, the world wants to motivate you to get what somebody else has. That's the lust of the eyes. Well, if they can have it, I can have it. If they can live there, I can live there. Half of what we see here taught is based more on these, the spirit of the world. Actually, you should have what God gives you. You should live where he wants you. You should be what he wants you to be. He needs people everywhere, folks. He didn't put you somewhere so you can prosper your way out of that place if that's where he wants you to shine. Because if you're dead, it doesn't matter, does it? You shouldn't have to go to the mission field to be placed where God wants you, which sometimes might include um, not having a fancy house and a fancy car. Amen? Now, I'm not talking about a poverty spirit that the enemy keeps you bound. I'm talking about obedience to God where you're going to be where he wants you to be. And how will you know? How will you know if you're struggling with a, with a, um, a love of money, um, spirit of poverty, how, how will you know? Because when we do this thing in Christ, we're content with whatever. Paul says, I've learned to be content when I have a lot and I'm content when I don't have anything. If you're not content, like I said, sometimes it's taught in a way to make you feel like you shouldn't be content. This is what, even for those pastors and leaders who are watching and listening, those, this is what is so, if you want to say difficult about this for people to understand. Everything in the kingdom, Satan has counterfeited. So two things can look alike, but be completely different. Amen? So we want to make sure we're not living in the world and doing things the world's way and then spiritualizing that, okay? That's going to give us pretended faith. That's going to give us hyper-spirituality. That's not going to glorify God. I think a lot of the church, I think a lot of leaders and pastors and big churches and all actually are in that category. Uh, they're going to come before the Lord and he may even say, away from me, you worker of evil. I don't even know you. The race you're running you will only, you will get rewarded if you're diligently seeking Jesus. If you hadn't even thought about that, if you're thinking about, oh, who can I pray for? And, oh, what can I do? And how can I do this? And you're not really thinking about, how do I keep seeking Jesus? How do I get closer to Jesus? How do I get to know Jesus? How can I, see, he, he rewards those who diligently seek him. Amen? And then in that seeking him, there's some requirements he may give you. He says, you know, some people lose family because they go after God. They lose homes. And he says, I'm going to give that back to you. What is it, hundredfold? In this life. Well, then all of a sudden that person's going to look pretty rich. Well, look at all the friends they have. Look, they can't help it. They have money everywhere they go. You know what? They probably laid down their life for God. They probably lost all the friends and family understanding them or liking them for him. As they sought him, they probably gave up the income they would have had with the job they would have had, with the career they would have had in the world for him. 
And I, I'm not going to hate to tell you, I'm going to tell you this. They're going to prosper. Because his word says so. You'd be like, everything they touch, God bless us. Well, that's because they quit touching stuff for his glory a long time ago. And until you quit touching stuff and trying to make it bless in your own hands, you're just operating in the love of money, the spirit of the world. See, you've got to be in the right kingdom, amen? And you've got to be running the correct race, amen? And you've got to understand the ways of God. And I'm not looking all this up because everybody here knows I'm telling you scripture by scripture by scripture. It just comes out of me and I can't even tell you where it's at in there because I really don't read it that way. I just read his word to know him. I ask the Holy Spirit, teach me about Jesus. I want to know him more. Show me something about Jesus. Why? Because I'm running the race where I am looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. I am diligently seeking him because I want to know him. And the more I want to know him, the more I get convicted by the Holy Spirit to get rid of things in my heart that separate me from getting closer to him. Amen? And I have this reverent fear of doing things the way he wants. So let me go back to the pretended faith thing since I have a captive audience tonight. <laughs> when, I know you've heard this story and, and I know for some of you here tonight, you had a very rude awakening yourself. But I did not want my son to take steroids when he was really, really sick. Now, my head knew that by the stripes of Jesus, my son should be healed. Amen? Right? It's true. It's true. I knew it. And I saw, by that time, I'd seen God um, heal and raise the dead. It wasn't like I was a brand new baby in this stuff. So how did I get into pretended faith? Pretended faith comes when you want something so much that you let it get worked up in your head using even scripture. And you make yourself believe because of what the word says. That what's happening in your reality isn't real. Can I get an amen? amen? And one of the things I am so thankful for that at the time I was upset about was I did not want my son to go through medical treatment because I know God's a healer. I've read his word. I believe it. I've even seen healing. But the, when it gets down to it, I didn't want to have to go through what we had to go through. I didn't want to have to go to the hospital. I didn't want my son to have to go. I didn't want to do it. So when God has added to my faith, endurance or patience, which actually means you're going to walk through everything possible that he's going to throw at you to see if you'll still stand and believe. How many know if you're going to walk through everything possible Satan's going to throw at you to add to your faith? It's not going to be a fun season. 
except for you're going to count it joy once you break through and hang on to Jesus. So for some of you who failed your test, people, (laughs) God was trying to add perseverance. Although that was too short a time to, to know that that was happening for that. Pretended faith is, I don't want to be sick. I'll just say, I don't want to be sick because I don't want to miss this conference. I've waited so long for this conference. I prayed and prayed for everything about this conference. I'm so excited about this conference that I just don't want to be sick for it. Can I get an amen? amen? And let me say, everyone just about can understand. And everybody had to stop and thank themselves, would I have done the same thing? Some people were really in that position and actually went and got tested. Just hoping that they could still come to the conference. But mature enough to know if I'm healed, this test will prove it. Amen. I remember when I was really learning this in a big way that the, the doctors for my son were pushing so hard to um, start the steroid treatment. And I went to this Bible study group at a big church in our area. And there was a really prophetic woman there. Um, she didn't knew nothing. She knew nothing about what was going on. And I was like, Man, I was standing on that word. But see, I was standing on that word in my head because I did not want to go through something. All right? All right, get this. Here's when pretended faith can really come up and bite you. It's when you don't want to persevere. It's when you don't want to deal with the possibility of not getting what you want. It's when... That promise becomes the idol because you're so afraid of it not working. And, and, and I'll, I'll just say, because I know situations, I know my situation, it's not something any of us should judge, especially in the big stuff. Amen? It's a really painful thing to grab onto God's word, but yet not have the real deeper relationship and faith yet. To hear him to do it his way. And can we all just admit in here at least. That there are some situations. That you don't know if you have enough faith for yet. And so I would say this was a little test. I'm not going to go into details. Years later some of y'all hear this and go oh. But in this little test. I'll say, is you had something contagious. And you knew the polite and right thing to do would be to go get tested to see if you had something contagious or to miss the event. Amen? That would be maturity. That would be maturity. If you have so much faith, why didn't you get a test to prove it? You never have to be afraid of doctors. You never have. Okay, let me break out the lie that if I go to a doctor, then I don't have faith. That's just a lie. You can go to the doctor with tons of faith. You can go to the doctor to just be able to be submitted to the authorities, such as an employee, 
If you have an employer who says, look, if you have something contagious, you, you can't come through these doors. And you're like, well, I don't, I don't have anything contagious. Well, then you should just go prove it. Because then you'd be submit, submissive, right? And God honors submission. Amen? Anything else is rebellion. And pretended faith. Why? Pretended faith is a thing you stand on as to why you don't have to submit. And it's rebellion. Okay? What does it say about rebellion? Rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. I want you to get this. When you rebel, even though you're believing with your head, but not with what God's shown you, something so powerful that you talk yourself into it, then you actually start operating in witchcraft because you're being disobedient. Can I get an amen? So that's another thing in this passage. We need to, we need to hate what God hates. We need to just so not want to ever operate in witchcraft. Witchcraft is manipulation. Witchcraft is control. Witchcraft is trying to make somebody submit to your will and not the will of God. Amen? A lot of you use witchcraft in your parenting and you need to stop it. You need to see what God's called you to do, how he's called you to do it, what his word says you can do, and then do it. He, he gives you all these things. He goes, do not, um, what's, he, what's the one? Um, don't threaten. God says, don't threaten. Threatening is, God can't honor threatening. Why? Because threatening releases a spirit of fear. God doesn't operate in fear. Amen. So, I get it. So, so when this prophet, young prophet lady came up to me and I'm like, and it's so funny because I, I'll just, y'all know how honest I am about how goofy I am. So I'll just be, I was really goofy back then. All right. So I'm there, I'm sitting there thinking I'm all that, you know, I mean, like I got through that trial and overcame grief and I've seen, you know, this happen and that happen and I've preached and I'm on the radio and, you know, like, don't anybody touch me, you know what I'm saying? And then this little prophet lady doesn't know anything I'm going through comes up and she just looks at me. She says, if God doesn't want him to have that shot or whatever it was, then he won't let them give it to him. You don't have to try. I'm thinking, and I fell out on the power. The whole time I'm going, I'm like, she doesn't know who she's talking to. She doesn't know the kind of faith I have. She doesn't know what God's shown me. Now, God's like trying to break through my blindness. Amen? God's trying to break through what? I did not want to have to go the hospital route. Does anybody blame me? But that doesn't make me have faith. This, this is going to be so powerful to explain why people say they're healed and then they die. One of, one of the greatest injustices that ministers and leaders have done is to think that they can know what faith someone else has and tells that person not to go to the hospital or not to go to the doctor. Can't you go to a doctor in faith? If you were so sure, why didn't you go take the test to show you were contagious in faith? I'll take that test. And then I'll say false positive. That's like pretended faith on steroids. Well, I, I went, but I, they, they didn't test me. Did you tell them you've been exposed? 
Did you tell them you had some of the same exact symptoms as all the people who just found out they were positive? Because if you didn't, your holding back shows a lack of faith. Is this making sense to everybody? We're going to buzz through pretended faith. It's all over the body of Christ. Just because someone else has faith doesn't mean you do. You don't have the faith of someone else. You have the faith that you've developed in your race. In your race. Not in my race. Not in someone else's race. In your race. And I'm just going to tell you this. Hmm. You, there's a certain level of faith that you need to go to a meeting and have somebody pray for you. Amen? Amen? And that's awesome. But that's not the same faith of walking in divine health. Amen? And then whatever the enemy's up to next, he's up to next. So this, this isn't like, okay, this isn't like a scorecard. Okay, well, I overcame this and I overcame this. Therefore, I never have to worry about anything again. No, (laughs) Satan, he looks, he he goes around looking like a lion. Who can I devour? What do I still own in that person? What have I placed in there? What is generational curse in there? What is in there that I can get to? Let me tell you something Satan wants to do the most. He wants to get back in where he came out. And the Bible gives him a spiritual permission to do that. And it says if he can get back in, he gets to be seven times worse. And there's somebody here tonight who better get deliverance before they leave tonight. Because I saw it in your eyes and you got it back. Because I take this stuff serious. Amen. I take the spiritual laws of God and the things in his kingdom extremely serious. More serious than I take the things in the world. When Satan wants to come back in, you guys, you think he's going to come in all dressed up with, here I am, ha ha, woo, come and take me. No, he's going to sneak his little self in through a back door and try to get you to be rebellious, try to get you into disobedience, do whatever he can, get you hyper-spiritual so that he can get back in. And all I can say is when the enemy gets back in from something where he's been cast out, You better act quick because he has a spiritual right. How can he get back in? Because everything God wanted you to do to tear down where that enemy got in was not done. Why wasn't it done? Because you're not running the right race. You're just competing with other people. You're not happy with who you are. You're not happy with your life. You're still trying to control everything. You're still trying to be in control. Can I get an amen? Being in control and trying to be in control are big keys that Satan can come in and try to be in charge of areas of your life. Amen? So it's about looking at Jesus, looking at Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. He is in charge. He's working this. He's not, he's not mad at me. He's not angry at me. He just wants to protect you and take care of you. But if you won't even run in the race where he's what you're looking at, then Satan can go around like a lion and try to devour you. Amen? No matter how many other people think you're spiritual. Amen? I, if, P, if you have to ask people, can I pray for you? I'm not, now, Holy Spirit may have you do that sometime. But you know what? I don't ask people. People ask me if I'll pray for them. 
I'm just going to give a really good lesson to everybody starting anything in their homes or anybody in a group or whatever. If you would not ask that person to pray for you, then when you're in a group, that shouldn't, <laughs> what does that change? Amen? You'll know them by the fruit. It's, but you can't make yourself have fruit you don't have yet. Let me say this. You will not get the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, long-suffering, patience, running the wrong race. But you can't help but get it when you run the real race. What was I doing the other night? Um, I didn't even know I could preach like this anymore because, man, when was it last night? I was just boo-hooing. I was just like, I just felt like a big, mushy, want to hug everybody. I'm thinking, Lord, I've never have felt this kind of love for everybody. I said, this is weird to me. And I thought, Lord, I don't know if I can ever preach like you have me preach again. Or maybe it's not you having me preach like that. I don't know. I just wanted to hug everybody. I wasn't upset with anybody. I wasn't I'm just like, oh, it's going to be so hard for some people to hear this. It's going to be so hard for some people to recognize they got to get in the right race and they've got to begin to run it towards Jesus and him alone. And until they get to that place, until they get to that place, they're still out there just struggling with everything the enemy's done to them. And I mean, I, I, forget, I was watching something on TV and I was crying over that and watching something and just, I'm like, Lord. And, and oh, my son came over for a couple of days and I was hugging him. And so I, I was just, I, I was like, Lord, I've never, ever felt this, um, this, um, this kind of love. You know, I used to have it way back, not, not a mature, but I hardened my heart. And at one, one point over the weekend, somebody in our family said, you know, I used to really care about people and really love people, but all I know is I've hardened my heart. See, Satan wants you to harden your heart. Well, nobody's going to tell me what to do anymore. Well, I'm tired of being hurt. I'm tired of being rejected. Some of you, from little babies on, all you did is get hurt to harden your heart and harden your heart. Every time a parent abused you, there probably came a hardness to your heart. You're going to have to let God in there. You're going to have to let him in there. You've got to quit jumping on the defensive and the offensive and always trying to make everything work. Get, let God be God, amen? You're not going to have real faith if you're still taking the place of God in your life. Amen? And he would, he would, he would just, um, I remember Sunday morning when Karen had that word. This, this was the one time, I, honestly, the best definition I could have as a Heidi Baker definition. I really felt wrecked. And it wasn't some sensational feeling. It was because I was sitting here asking the Lord, Lord, am I, am I doing this right? Am I supposed to be doing this? At the point, at that time that was, I didn't know because I turn around, you know, for worship and the places looks, everybody sits in the back now, but it looks pretty empty. I'm thinking this is Easter Sunday. How could people not be here on Easter Sunday? How could the place not have all the regulars here? I know there's a group of them that are sick still, but you know how I, I'm like, and, and I'm just sitting there talking to the Lord and I'm just like, I, I don't feel much presence of the Lord. And I'm like, Lord, what's going on? I said, what's going on? Am I even supposed to do this? God, I've spent so many years doing this. So many years doing this. And, you know, other churches are filling up and all that. Praise God, I'm thankful for that. I'm not jealous. It's just like, God, am I doing something wrong? 
Should I just walk out that door and not do this anymore? Have I wasted a lot of time? Because I really want to know. I want to know what I'm supposed to be doing. I want to know if I'm doing your will. And then Karen, Karen says, I got to share what God showed me. And everything she said that the Holy Spirit gave her was exactly what God had told me the night before, almost word for word, about what he's going to do here. And that we've gone through sanctification and the whole church has to, all, everything she said, I just started, boo-hoo, I thought, oh my gosh, did I forget waterproof mascara? I, I literally, my flesh kind of was like, I almost wanted to care and said, let me go and put my makeup back on before you put me on the, but I said, okay, I'm going to be humble and not do that, Lord. Camera people know, pull way back so it doesn't matter. I'm just going to say, I got so wrecked by God's love for me that he would verbatim say through Karen what he told me the night before that now when I come in and I question it because where is everybody? How could people not come on Easter? What is going on? Let me say, by the time I turned around, everybody, most people were here. We actually had a pretty good turnout. That's just the old, we all go, we're all late at <laughs> BFA, which we're going to see changed. Amen. But, but whatever, when God did that, using Karen's gift, it so softened my heart that I couldn't just, all I could do is just walk in love and walk in love. And even when I heard about my dad, and I took him food and my mom food and I just enjoyed their company. And one of the devils this morning, you know, you better watch out. And I'm like, you know what, devil? I'm going to do what God wants me to do. My steps are not going to be ordered by you. I am not taking a spirit of fear because God's given me love, power, and a sound mind. And I'm walking in it. And I'm not going to play these games with you. Get under my feet in Jesus' name. I've had it. You are out the door. I cannot wait till Friday night. We are going to so kick devil behind on Friday night that he's going to wish he hadn't showed up around this place for the last two weeks. Ha! And I'm not playing. We might do it tonight. I'll make him nervous. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> he never knows what I'm going to do because I don't know what I'm going to do. I've had it with him. Amen. I've had it with him. When are you going to have it with him? When are you going to quit pampering him? And listening to him and playing his games. When are you going to get in the right race? Amen. See, in the race that I'm in, that God wants you in, Satan will end up under your feet. Not running beside you, talking to you, telling you lies about you. And lies about God. So, back to my story. So when I really woke up to pretended faith. Now, I'd had faith for other things, but I did not have faith to stop my son from going to King's Daughters and all these other things for years. And at first she didn't want to even tell anybody. Pretended faith makes you afraid to tell anybody you're sick. It makes you afraid to ask for prayer. Nobody can know I'm sick. I'm not sick. I'm not sick. <laughs> I'm not people. Okay. Mm. Pretended faith. If it's real faith, you'll stop even the symptoms <laughs> that you're trying to deny. 
Amen. When people don't get treatment for cancer. And they don't have enough faith to make the cancer bow its knee in Jesus' name. What, what's going to make it magically disappear when you're worse? Amen? Real faith works. It works now. Real faith takes care of things right when it needs to be taken care of. Every time I've needed to pay a bill, the money was there now. I didn't write a bad check or go into debt. Real faith works now. Oh, so if it was real faith, those symptoms would have bowed their knee 100%. And you could have easily walked through the door, easily got a test. Amen? See, every time they'd go to test my son, even though he was looking sick and even though... I couldn't even see it because I was so blind by pretended faith. And I would say to him, don't you worry. They're not going to do this to you. They're not going to give you medicine. They're not going to do this. And literally, he was depending on me and I lied to him because of pretended faith, which hurt his walk with God. And it's now healed, but it took years. So here is his mom in pretended faith saying, don't you worry, by the Lord's stripes you're healed and don't you worry, we're going to do this and that. And then all of a sudden, next thing I know, they're, they're giving him the medication I promised him they wouldn't give him. Can I tell you something? God does not operate in our pretended faith and our fear-based faith and our pride-based faith. Pride says, we're going to do it this way because this is the easier way. And this is going to look more spiritual and we better do it this way. Is this helping anybody? Okay. We've got to get free from retreat. Now, so, so in this case, now that you would think that would end my pretended faith when his tests kept getting, were still bad. But let me tell you, the amount of real faith I had was keeping him alive during all this. Because he shouldn't have been alive. But it wasn't healing him. It wasn't getting his numbers normal. It was just maintaining him. Thank God for God's mercy. Amen. So then. The day they're finally going to give him the steroids. I know you all have heard the story. But this is, I'll never forget. When it's really God's stories where he changes you. You never forget them. So we're in. So I remember the day we walked in the hospital. We've done this for months now. And so far they kept putting it off and putting it off. And I didn't want to do it. And I'm doing all this. When, when it's pretended faith, you fight so hard and you try so hard and you try to make the word work. And it's really fear-based, guys. It's fear-based or doubt-based. It's not faith. It's fear-based and doubt-based. Can I get an amen? It's painful. It's hard. And, and, you're, and you're, you gotta, you're trying to make your brain do it right. You're trying to control what everybody says and does. Oh, she should have said that. Oh, she should have said that. You know, you can say anything you want. But when I'm walking where God wants, you can't touch me. I'm divinely protected. And actually, if you try, it could come back at you. Amen? Because if you're hidden in Christ, you're hidden in Christ. The enemy can't get to you when you're hidden in Christ. He can try. He, he tries to bring you out of that place. So anyway. So this is when I actually well, totally got free from pretended faith. Because it's a spirit. 
we're in the hospital. We go in and they tell my husband, they don't talk to me anymore. We're going to start the treatments today. You guys, something in me was so mad. Like it wasn't me. I mean, it was like, it was like an anger, anger. It was like, I literally, I literally seriously almost grabbed my son and ran out the door with intentions to never, ever even see my husband again. Now that's irrational, but that's what pretended faith does, especially if it's in a life and death situation, you've done work this whole thing up. Amen. And I knew I had to submit to my husband because I actually believe the whole Bible. I don't pick and choose which ones I'm going to go with. I believe in submission. Therefore, I know something's wrong here because I, I'm submitting to the doctor because we brought him under his care to my husband who, who has hitched up in our home and I don't like what they want to do. And I'm not going to give them a guilt trip about it or blame them about it or come against them about it. I'm, and I'm going to recognize there's something in me that's really upset right now. And if you've ever walked through something like this, you need to get that something out. But I still, so I'm still believing, boy. I'm like, I'm so mad at John. I, we went to eat lunch before we had to come back for the treatment. And I'm like, I'm so, I'm, I'm just so. But I knew enough, even though this was years ago, I knew enough to know the way I was feeling wasn't right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like the anger inside and the how dare they do this and trying to blame somebody else. The minute you blame somebody else, you're wrong. Whoa. The minute you blame somebody else, you are wrong. God is bigger than that somebody else. The minute you blame somebody else, you get into bitterness that defiles a lot of people. I've seen situations where spirit of murder got in someone's child because they blamed somebody for murdering somebody they loved. That wasn't true. And I had, then that really got in that child. I had to really cast it out. And save them from being in prison. By God's grace. This stuff is serious you guys. That's when they went. Everybody laddie down around all the spiritual stuff. This stuff is so serious. There is not a single scripture. To make it look like the spirit realm is playground. It's time the church get real again. Amen. Stuff is so serious. Everybody blames God or walks away or whatever when they see all the consequences of them, their own mess. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There's just growing and maturing and running in the race. Amen? So here I am, and I'm really, I'm still, I, I, I couldn't even talk. I was so upset. So then we finally go, and I'm still, I'm still believing. Poor, poor little, my son, he's like, a little scared and devastated. Why didn't I help him say, look, this treatment won't hurt you. It's not, you know, because it really wasn't, it wasn't a treatment that could even hurt him. I was like, you know, this is, you know, God can give you time. You're going to feel better. See, I wasn't there at all to help and encourage him because I was so much in my pretended faith. I'm going to make this not happen because I shouldn't have to go through this because I'm a Christian. I shouldn't have to go through this because of what Jesus Christ did. Yeah, when I get to that place of, of death to self and maturity and freedom, most of that's going to be true. Amen? A lot of it's true now. 
Amen? Does it mean when we're first, we can't get healed? No, we can. It means we're not in control of it, guys. Amen? It means we're not in control of it. I've seen powerful healings, but this time, I was going to learn endurance. I was going to add to my real faith endurance. When I didn't want to add to my real faith endurance, pretended faith kicked in. This can't be happening to me. So, I died to pretended faith when they were getting ready to give my son the steroid drip or whatever it was like on an IV kind of thing. And the little kid in the same clinic, I know you've heard this, who had a brain cancer, who'd been in the hospital so long that his mother couldn't afford to take off work anymore, who had teenage sisters who would come and sit with him. And all of a sudden he was coding blue. And when somebody codes blue in that clinic area, everybody stops what they're doing, stabilizes what they're doing and runs and takes care. And they are doing everything they can for that little boy not to die. And in pretended faith, I remember having this thought, oh good, now they won't start those treatments on my son. And the minute I had such an evil, selfish thought, I knew it wasn't God. And I ran in the bathroom, and hospital bathrooms aren't the best place to run in and sit on the floor, but I did. And I cried, and I cried, and I cried. And I said, God, forgive me that I could be so evil. Please heal that little boy. Please save that little boy. I yield to you, God. And that's when that prophet's words came to me. If God doesn't want this to happen, it won't happen. It's not going to not happen because somebody else's kid is dying. Because God had to show me the evil in my heart. He had to show me how this became a prideful thing. This became a, I'm going to prove this thing. This wasn't about the treatment going to be able to hurt my son. Not those treatments. Do you understand what I'm saying? And then I broke. Some of y'all won't break. I'm, I'm tell you, I'm looking at one person right now. When are you going to break? When are you going to break? Gosh, you go through this and you go through this and you go through this and you go through this. It's all the devil, 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 devil. It's still standing strong and in charge. Gosh, such hardness of heart. God help me. You better break. God looks for a broken and contrite spirit. He looks for somebody who knows they can't do it and only he can do it. And you've tried and tried and tried and tried and everybody said how strong you are and you never give up and this and that. Well, how about give up? But not to the devil. See, I gave up, but not to the devil. I didn't say, okay, devil, now you can do whatever you want with him. I said, God. We're going to have to do this however you want us to do this. And I still didn't know how long it was going to take. But he added to my faith perseverance. Which is why I can stand here for year after year after year with some of y'all having the same mess. 
and still not give up on you. Because I've learned to persevere. Some of you are going to have to learn to persevere. Let me say this. It's not persevering when the devil's beating you up all the time. That's stubborn. That's hard-headed. You have not run your race. You haven't counted it joy. You haven't gotten closer to the Lord. You're just still standing because you took some kind of inner vow that nothing was going to knock you down. You need to give up that vow and say, God, I want you to knock me down. I need you, God. I need you. And when you harden your heart, you say, I'm never going to need anybody. And then you wonder why nobody ever gets too close to you. You put up a wall to say, I don't need anybody. <laughs> Talk to the hand. And then inside you're feeling like you're so, you love, you feel like you just want to be close to people. But yet it seems like you never get to cross that line. Well, you, you put the wall there. So I think a lot of times pretended faith is when you put a wall there, you've put up something where no matter what, this isn't going to happen. And you got to be in charge. Can I just say, you in charge is devil in charge. God in charge is God in charge. And it's going to be in that race. And you're going to count it all joy. He says you're going to have various trials, doesn't he? He says you're going to have trouble, he promises. He's not trying to get all that out of the way. He's trying to get you out of the way so he's all that you need. I don't change God's word. Sickness is always from the devil. Always. Everything evil is always. There's no evil in God. Every, everything that attacks, everything that tries to destroy you, it's all the devil. But he can only go after what he owns in you. So the whole idea of running that race is to get rid of the sin the entanglements and the heavy weights that hold you back. We talked about that last time, right? Right? So I'm looking at him. He's like, and you're stumbling all over. He's like, could you get rid of that heavy weight? Could you get rid of that sin? Could you get rid of that attitude? Could you get rid of that lie? He's like, come on, run. <laughs> run, girl, run. <laughs> come on, you can do it. You're like, it's <laughs> like... You're going to count it joy when all this stuff falls off of you and you're free from it. Pretended faith is a heavy weight. It's using your mind to do what only your spirit connected with the spirit of God can develop in you. And then your mind can understand it because you renewed your mind in the word of God. A renewed mind does not equal faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's not by reading the word of God. It comes from God teaching you and showing you and giving it to you. And even then when he talks to you sometimes, like he did to me the other night. And yet when I look and it looks like it's not happening. It looks like the opposite is happening. And it tries to, to bring you down and take your faith then real faith turns, it doesn't make up a scenario in their head like, okay, well, it's, you know, you just, you just turn and talk to God. And so when I turn and talk to God, God is so amazing that in real faith, he decides, well, she, she heard me say this, but now let her hear me say this through somebody else.
And the minute, the minute Karen yielded to Holy Spirit, and didn't anybody feel the presence of God just drop in the place? How good is God? How good is God? He is so amazing. But pretended faith, guys, pretended faith is like running the race <laughs> without him. With your intellect, with reading his word, with your good works, with what you're going to try to do. Look what I'm going to do. And that is so, it wears you out. It wears you out. You're trying so hard to stop what you don't want to happen. Instead of trusting him in whatever happens and you doing whatever he shows you to do. Does it make sense? It's like you can't fight this in your head. This warfare can only be fought in the spirit. It can only be fought in the spirit. And it has to do with relationship and walking with God and growing in God and obeying God and learning of God and getting closer to God. Amen. And then when things come along, you actually talk to him and he talks back. Like, well, Lord, what do I need to do? Go look at this scripture. You look at it, it's like, Lord, this doesn't look like a scripture I want to look at. Well, look at it again. It doesn't look like a happy, happy scripture, Lord. <laughs> Read the Bible. There's a lot of not happy, happy in there. Amen? Go really study. Go study the early church. Real faith is going to have boldness. Real faith. Real faith might get you persecuted. It should get you persecuted for righteousness sake. It might even cause you to go to heaven. But it's going to be right when God wanted you there. It's going to be for his glory. Because real faith gets to where you're not trying to hang on to your world. You're just living in his kingdom doing what he wants. And you count it all joy. And all of a sudden all this other stuff doesn't matter. But as long as the enemy can keep you hanging on to pretended faith. Then your walk isn't that real. I'll just be honest with you. That's why he says the things you can't counterfeit is love, joy, peace, Goodness, kindness, long-suffering, and patience. If you're grumpy and gripey the minute you didn't get your way, then you aren't walking in faith. You might have been walking in determination, but determination isn't the same as endurance. Some of y'all need to exchange your determination and ask God for endurance. Amen? Some of you need to exchange how you've learned to get through things. Because you think it's helped you. But I promise you, if you would let God be in charge, it might not look as good for a while, but it's going to be real. Amen? And it's, it's humbling. God's into humbling, I'm telling you. He likes humbling. And I went, I said, Lord, what am I going to share tonight? Lord, I ought to be able to go in there knowing what I'm going to share. He doesn't give me anything. He has me go to some scripture about, it was kind of cool. It's the different words for God's name in scripture, worship and things. I'm like, okay, Lord, well, I know we're doing this training and equipping. I know pretended faith had been on my heart, but I didn't, I didn't know. And then I said, you know what, Lord, you always show me what to say. So I'm just going to trust you. I mean, no, he's shown me what to say. Because he really wants, if we're going to go deeper in the things of God and learn how to minister and learn how to train him for those who are watching, 
who have people in the church, but there's no fruit or they can't understand why the real's not happening, then they need to, to really pray. They need to get pretended faith out of them first too. It's in a lot of leaders. So how do I get real faith? Run that race. Spend time with God. Lay down everything. It's what he tried to get you to do. He wants in the real race. He wants everybody in the real ways. He doesn't want, when Satan comes back with, with was it seven demons worse to try to get back in, he doesn't want the devil to be able to find you because you'll be hidden in Christ. You're not hidden in Christ in one week, in two months, even in a year usually. Some of you have never been hidden in Christ because you're trying so hard to prove something to yourself. You guys like sit down. Quit trying to prove anything. Don't you know he knows everything about you? Don't you know he knows the race you're in? Don't you know he's not comparing you to anyone else? Don't you know none of that even matters to him? How many know, how many know when we get in heaven, we're not going to need the gifts of the Holy Spirit to heal people? To cast out demons. I, I think they got to come out before you get in. Amen. He's looking at the big picture. He's looking at who's going to be my bride. Who's going to be one with me. Who's going who's to make this all about me. Because really that's what this all should be about. But with that should come real faith. With that should come the leading of the Holy Spirit. You cast out a demon when you need to cast out a demon. Amen. You lay hands on the sick when he shows you to. You, you go where he wants, when he wants, how he wants, and everything begins to operate of his spirit in you. Why? Because he's in you. you mm. Like we really got <laughs> really to train our spirit that's one with God how to do something. How stupid is that? We're training everybody's intellect. And then everybody steps out in their intellect and tries to do spiritual stuff. How about if we just get our eyes on Jesus and then he knows how to do stuff? Amen? He knows how to do it. Holy Spirit, he'll just, he'll just cast that demon out when it needs to come out. It might be a really scary time. He knows when to have you speak in tongues. He knows how to do everything. We have got so much intellectual teaching from God's word. That everybody's trying to make this stuff happen and it doesn't really happen. And sometimes they get delusional and think it does. I'm not saying he's not faithful. Amen. He's faithfully when we're not. I'm not saying on our journey, he's not going to have you heal, see people healed and see these things. Even as you're stepping out. Amen. I'm not saying you have to wait a certain amount of time. I'm saying be in the race. Because if I'm in the race and he's the author and the finisher of that race and of my faith, then he's going to get the glory. And that's all he's after. He wants you to know how good he is. He wants you to know how big he is. He wants you to know how real he is. Guys, this is all about him. This is all about him. And that's where the freedom is. That's where the freedom is. People don't even understand how great the freedom is. Just to rest in him and hang out with him and everything's about him. And it's so, it's so extremely easy, it's not even funny. It's called rest. <laughs> How much work does that sound like? Is this helping anybody? Because, you know, we want that. Give me the five steps to how to have real faith. Hang out with God. 
Just hang out with God. But I can't hang out with God. That's because you're trying to do it. You're in the wrong race. Get out of the race that's about you. Lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life or superiority or boasting or is it everything great or look how smart you are. Look how you got it all together. Look how you would never do that. Blah, 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 blah. That's all, that's all the pride of life. Isn't that funny? Your pride of life could be in your spiritual gifts. Your pride of life could be in how many people you prayed for. How many healings you believe have happened. How many experiences have you had with God? We're causing an entire young generation <laughs> who are still caught up in the lust of the eyes, <laughs> in the lust of the flesh. And now we're adding to their pride of life or boasting. How do you know? Well, not everyone, but a lot of them are living in blatant sin and then think they're doing all these spiritual things. God's faithful in when we're not. We need to deal with those three things of the world that are in 1 John. Jesus had to. Before he started his ministry, Satan got to test him in all three of those things. Why do we think we're not going to go through the same test? And I mean, no, we just keep getting upgrades of the same test. Because God, let me just say, as you're running this race, he's not going to wait until you've been perfected to do anything. Amen? Part of the journey is doing things along the way. Even when you're so immature in, in knowing him that you get more puffed up about it than he gets the glory. Amen? Been there, done that, been doing it for years. He Isn't he good? I just get amazed at how faithful he is. I'm like, Lord, why would you use us? Why would you still let us do this? Why would you let us participate? When you know the junk in us. And he's just smiling because he knows the junk in us. <laughs> Amen. He knows the only way to get rid of it is to encounter him and want to be like him and actually begin to let go of all this stuff and realize how great this whole thing is. And let me say this. What is the one thing you will have in heaven that you have down here? Relationships. God is all about relationships. He's not about our hyper spirituality. He's about relationships and self-absorbed is a really big one. And self-absorbed is once again, a lot of that pride of life. Believe me, been there. Sometimes I ch it tries to take me back there. I, I chose this, this particular resurrection Sunday that just passed. I just really made a decision that I was going to do whatever I felt the Lord led me to do, not what my you know, husband and son wanted to do with fishing or whatever. What, what did, Lord, what do you want me to do? Not what I felt obligated to do. You know, I feel obligated. I got to go see my mom and my dad. It's Easter. That's an obligation. That's not being led of God. So I said, Lord, just show me, just show me what you want me to do. You know, what, what is it we should do, Lord? And I, and I called my husband because we were all going to go out on the boat and see my dad the next day or something. And I called John. I said, I said, we need to bring dad. We need to bring dad dinner. I said, just in the refrigerator on your way to church, put it in a cooler. But I had dinner for us for later for on the boat and stuff. Just grab all that chicken, grab this stuff, you know, or whatever. Just bring it. And I said, You'll, you, you guys will still have plenty of time to go on the boat. I said, but dad, I think my dad needs us. And they were like, yeah, yeah. And my, they wanted to come anyway. 
And then my dad's like, well, I'm not feeling good. So, you know, you don't want to get too close or anything. I couldn't help it. I went right up and hugged him and hugged him and hugged him. Fixed his dinner for him, fixed his food for him. That's real faith. That's the kind of love that just really takes over and says, no weapon formed against you is going to prosper, Cindy. Just do what I want you to do. Do what, mm, do what I want you to do that now you agree you want to do. That's when you start becoming so one with him that what he wants to do is what you want to do. It's not even obedience anymore. It's just pure love. I just want to do what you want me to do. Now, if you love this teaching, then you better say you love this teaching. Then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there, and there's a resource uh, library there. And also, check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry. We'd love you to partner with us and come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you. 